0: Denver Decides is a community partnership dedicated to accessible and transparent elections. This partnership includes the Inner Neighborhood Cooperation, the League of Women Voters of Denver, Historic Denver, and is presented by Denver 8 TV. Today, we are presenting a runoff candidate forum for the office of Denver City Council member representing District 1, and that is in Northwest Denver. Going into the May 7th municipal election, seven candidates were actually on the the ballot, vying to represent District 1 on Denver City Council, but none of the seven were able to garner a clear majority on the votes cast, so a runoff election will now be held on Tuesday, June 4th. The top two vote-getters will face off one more time, and they are here with us this evening. On my right is Amanda, and on my left is Mike. Hi, guys. Hi there. Hi. We will begin with one-and-a-half-minute opening statements, so 90 seconds. And Amanda, you are gonna go first. Well, thank you
1: for having us this evening. Hello, my name is Amanda Sandoval and I am the candidate for City Council District 1. I am running to ensure you have representation that puts you first. Over the course of this election, I have heard numerous issues, concerns regarding unstable development, desperate need for affordable housing, improvements to our parks, better transportation options, support for our local schools, and effective and inclusive representation. I am a graduate of North High School and I earned my degree in political science at Metro State University. I am the proud mother of two children and my husband and I are raising our children in Northwest Denver, just as my parents raised my siblings and me in Northwest Denver, a family tradition. I work currently at the Denver Fire Department. I am the outreach program manager and legislative liaison. Previously, I served as the chief of staff for Councilwoman Montero and Councilman Espinosa, and I am proud to have their endorsements. Again, I am running to represent you on city council and ensure you have effective
0: and inclusive representation that puts you first. Thank you. Thank you, Amanda. Now an opening statement from Mike.
2: Thank you. I'm Mike Soma and I hope to earn your vote. I've been a Denver public servant for 34 years where I currently serve as a Lieutenant for Engine 17 for the Denver Fire Department. For the last 10 years, I have served as a governmental affairs director for Denver firefighters, giving me the intimate understanding of our city government. I'm not a politician, as you've probably seen. I've never been one on giving speeches. I've always been more of a doer than a speaker. So instead of doing my best impression of a politician tonight, I'm gonna just talk to you. Northwest Denver has been my home for 64 years, and every street in this district holds a memory, a memory of my father's barbershop, a memory of my son riding his bicycle down the same streets I was fortunate enough to do at his age. That's the neighborhood I know, and that's the neighborhood we are losing because of absentee leadership. Irresponsible, uncontrollable development. I am running for city council. I believe that we need leaders that will listen because that's the only way we build Northwest Denver that works for everyone.
0: All right, thank you, Mike. Think your time is up, yes, okay. Now the first of our submitted questions for the candidates. Each candidate is gonna have one minute to answer and we will reverse the order of the opening statement so we're gonna begin with Mike Somer. Here's your question. Often historic structures are considered for adaptive reuse projects. This allows for historic buildings to be saved and restored but can often introduce new uses into neighborhoods. Name two steps you would take to facilitate adaptive reuse projects in neighborhoods that are con- concerned about impacts associated with new uses.
2: That's a great question. And I see it all the time in North Denver. There are great buildings that have been knocked down, or I see, and I think they could be great structures. While walking around the neighborhoods doing my canvassing, I've noticed great remodels that they pop the tops. The way they do that is to engage the neighborhood first with the developers. What's been happening is the developers have been going in, buying these properties without engaging in the neighborhoods with those people and knocking them down. So my vision is that we will have open conversations and dialogue with the neighborhood and the developers. Thank you.
0: Same question now for Amanda Sandoval.
1: Well, thank you. So adaptive reuse is really important right now, considering that it, and buildings have embodied energy and they end up in our land use, our landfills. So first step I would take is look at the zoning. What zoning does that particular neighborhood have? What zoning does that particular structure have? So then when I look at the zoning, I'm well versed on what type of uses and what type of um, businesses they can bring into that structure. Second is it depends on what type of use. Do they wanna bring in a marijuana dispensary? Do they wanna bring in a liquor license? So then you can have a robust discussion. But first, you always have to know what the use of the zoning that they have with the developer is and then you can bring the neighborhood we did that on 39th and King for the Goddard school we did that on 32nd and Lowell for the brewery there and we also did it at elitches there are part of elitches when it was adaptively re-
0: reused that are still there there's the theater and there's the carousel thank you Amanda thank you All right, we're going to do another question. This time we'll start with Amanda. Here's our question. During your first 100 days of office, will you stand up for Denver citizens and set a deadline requiring community planning and development to increase requirements for new green open space in any development that has residential units?
1: Well, thank you for that question. Within my first 100 days of office, I have a lot of great ideas. First, I want to bring back the council office and back into the community so there's not the barrier of entry to see your council person. Second, I want to make sure that we're looking at the budget. And so this would have to do with the budget, which is very essential to city council. And I would like to make budget amendments to make sure we have green space. For example, there's a project that's on the corner of 46th and Tennyson. It's an old mortuary site that the neighbors are currently actively wanting to have as green space. And what's awesome is in November, voters passed a tax incentive that would actually give funding to have green space in Northwest Denver. So absolutely, we do not have to look currently for the funding source. We have a funding mechanism, so I will work with the neighbors within my first 100 days and I'd like to have the state of District 1 to gather everyone together to hear their ideas so my constituents are setting the agenda, not me. Thank you.
0: Mike, same question.
2: My first 100 days, my vision is to meet with each and every organization in North Denver. Our past city council people have neglected to engage with the community. My first 100 days will be going and meeting these organizations. My first 100 days will be going to schools, meeting the principals, going to police stations, introducing myself to the people that put their life on the line day in and day out. After we have this conversation, then we will start putting our office, which I was the first to mention, will be coming back to District 1 at the first debate. We're disconnected, we're disenchanted with what is happening, so we have to have an open dialogue and bring people back in to North Denver where they grew up, where they live, and where they're gonna get the answers from the new council.
0: The next question for our candidates, we're gonna start with Mike this time. Here's the question. Some citizens have complained that city government has not listened to their voice before, during, and after adoption of Denver right. What will you do to reach out to neighborhood leaders going forward to engage their voice in citywide decisions that affect their members?
2: As this conversation all night from this side has come from, is communications I have people that while we were doing canvassing didn't want certain projects in North Denver, the light system at 32nd and Tennyson, that they went to several former council people, asked and never to this day have received a response. That's unacceptable. To the project at 17th and Mead that 85% of that neighborhood has taken a vote that they don't want a 16-story building there, which they're not being heard. That's what's turning people off about government. They're not listening to what the people say. We need to use common sense in government of today.
0: Amanda, did you answer that question? I just wanna make sure. Okay, yep, you have one minute. Well, thank you. Yep.
1: So robust, Um, dialogue and outreach is essential for every city city council office. So during the Denver Right process, I did also feel like there was a lack of input from Northwest Denver. It only seemed to happen at the the registered neighborhood level. So what I would like to do is I would like to go back to neighborhoods, and I'd like to host a town hall. And I would like to hear what the residents think of the plan. It is adopted. City Council did adopt it, it's a 20-year vision, but I would like to hear individual I'd like to have seniors part of that discussion. I'd like to have our youth part of that discussion, discussion, and I would like to make sure that they can get there. I want to have translation services so that people feel welcomed. I want to have free daycare so people feel welcomed. But essentially, it's our plan. It's the plan of Denver, and if Denverites don't feel and Northwest Denverites don't feel part of the process, absolutely we need to have that robust discussion,
0: and I will be happy to have that. That brings us to the final round of submitted questions for the clerk and recorder candidates, and we're going uh, to—Council you know District 1, apologize. <laughs> no problem. My notes are— <laughs> I you
2: just, a new job. We just
0: did clerk and recorder. <laughs> Okay, um, here's the question. We're gonna start with Amanda. Thank you. What can you do better or different than the previous council member or members who represented this district?
1: Well, thank you for that question. That's a very personal question for me, considering I worked for Councilman Espinosa and I worked for Councilwoman Judy Montero. So some of the things that they did great was Judy was a social worker and she was able to bring the disenfranchised to the table. Some of the things that Rafael did great was he was an expert in land use. Some of the things that I would definitely change was the tone of the conversation. People felt dismissed. People felt that they were not heard. People felt offended and I am not going to do that. I want representation that is inclusive of all voices. I want the voiceless to be at the table. I do not want to set a square table. I want to set a round table where everybody is included and that will start by having the council office back in the district first and foremost and it will also start by me holding my word. If you get my word and I give you my word, I will do everything in my power to ensure that you have what you need. And if not, I will call you personally. Thank you. Mike, your turn.
2: What I will do is what I do day in and day out. I'm a Lieutenant with the Denver Fire Department. I interact with city constituents day in and day out. What they have not heard is what is being said. They're dismissed when people, you talk to them, they don't want their land turned into a development site. The council people turn off. They will not only be at the table at the beginning of a development, a project, sidewalks. They will be there through the whole project. That's how we work in Denver. We just don't give somebody one option, a 15-minute or three-minute talk to make a presentation and shut them down. The former council people have never returned phone calls to people. Emails were never returned. When the councilman did engage with the public, they were belittled.
0: Time is up. For the next few rounds, it's going to be the candidate's turn to ask each other a direct question, and you'll each have one minute to respond to each other. So we're going to return to ballot order and start with Amanda. Do you have a question for Mike? I do. So thank you for that opportunity. So, Mike,
1: in your platform, you talk about streetcars, and given that council is the legislative body, not the administrative body, like the mayor's office, we do not set the budget, we respond to the budget, can you please explain in-depthly how you will fund the streetcars and how you will go about maintaining a sustainable funding source for the streetcars so that the constituents of District 1 actually get what you're saying on your platform?
2: Thank you, and absolutely it will. Uh, Streetcars, streetcars were in Denver for 78 years. Uh, My new design is electric streetcars, no tracks, no overheads needed. What we're going to do is this going to be a public uh, city and public funded type thing. We're gonna team up with RTD. We're gonna team up with the merchants down on Tennyson, the other areas. We're gonna ask them for a fee so they could get their businesses to that area. What we have now is dead. That last mile, people aren't reaching that last mile. So that's how we're gonna fund this. And I think it's caught on in other cities. DC uses it as a circulator. Breckenridge, Colorado uses it. We are leaving gaps in the city. So funding, we fund everything else in this city. I'm sure that we could find funding for this great idea. So much of a great idea that one of the mayoral candidates has actually made a billboard after it.
0: Thank you, Mike. You are next with a question for Amanda.
2: Amanda, earlier in this campaign, you chose not to sign a pledge to keep fracking out of the city Denver City limits. On April 29th, in one day, you took $6,000 from LLC owned by a major fracking business interest. Are those your decisions connected to one another? And if not, why did you choose to make each of those decisions?
1: Well, thank you, Mike. That's really important. The health and the environment are of utmost importance to me as a mother of two. So, first and foremost, I did not accept $6,000 from an entity that does fracking. That is not accurate. You can go to my financial report and you will not find that. So, that's not. Accurate, Mike. Thank you for that, though. And second, I did not sign on to the fracking because I talked to Tony Pickford at length. And when I sign on to something, I'm a policy wonk because City Council is based on ordinances and policy. And when I asked him for specific language that had to do with the fracking, he said he did not have it. And I said, once you have that ordinance, I will absolutely 100% sign on. I do not believe fracking should happen within our boundaries of the city and county. Of of Denver, but I will not sign on to something to look like I'm part of something. I will sign on to something when I give my word and when I read the ordinance language because that's what you do as a legislature, part of city council is you make collaborations,
0: you get together and you thank pass you. ordinances. We're gonna continue with our one-on-one questions with the candidates for city council district one. Uh, so Amanda, you're gonna be up next for another question if you have one for Mike. Okay, so thank you.
1: So Mike. We both live in the same neighborhood in Grandview. Two years ago, I personally flyered with my daughter the entire neighborhood because of redevelopment was coming at the hotel on the I-70 and Federal, which 17s, which you work for, responds to. And you know it does not have the type of constituency that we want in our neighborhood. I held five meetings and I wonder why you did not attend them? and you only started attending your registered neighborhood organization meetings once you started campaigning?
2: Well, number one, I never received a flyer at my house, so that's a start. And number two is that I've been involved with the Brom before uh, this election. It was probably three years ago. What's the Brom? I'm sorry, the uh, Oriental Theater.
1: What's the Oriental Theater?
2: The Oriental Theater is at 44th and Tennyson, so it's the, the Berkeley... Uh, Neighborhood Association. Berkeley,
0: we just Only one question, let him answer.
2: Thank you. Uh, and I did not attend, as you stated, the flyers that never made my house. And second of all, the reason I have never been attending these things is because I'm tired of hearing about the councilman that never listens to people.
0: Mike, you're next with a question for Amanda.
2: Thank you. Amanda, do you think there is any real or perceived conflict of interest in having accepted such a significant amount of money from developers or realtors. For example, take an in-kind for your campaign headquarters from the developer responsible for the Elitch redevelopment plan you would have to vote for if elected.
1: Well, thank you for that question, Mike. So obviously development is on the top issue of the residents in District 1. First and foremost, the plan for religious passed in December of 2018. So that is done. No one in city council will vote on it. It passed unanimously. Second of all, I worked on that because that's the only development in the city and county of Denver that has 60% affordable housing going towards it. And it has, of the 60%, it has 30% going from 30 to 60% AMI, which is for firefighters, it's for teachers, and it's for everybody who just needs to get a start on a housing, and so I support smart development. I support developers who want to make sure to give back into our community. I want to support developers who will meet us at the table and know that they live in the district and know that they want to have people who have a robust and diversified community
0: because that's what makes Northwest Ever great. You have an opportunity for another one-on-one question. We were going to begin with uh, Amanda on this one. Do you have another question? Okay. So thank you. So Mike... In your role
1: as a lieutenant, there are conflicts that have happened in the fire department with women. As a city council person, how will you make sure that you're inclusive of gender, sexual orientation, religion, and making sure that you have an inclusive council office, not that doesn't... that. I work for the fire department, so I see what type of, I think there's 3% women right now in the fire department. So how would you build your office to make sure that it's inclusive of everybody who lives in Northwest Denver?
2: Thank you. As we all know, fire the fire industry was male dominated industry. So fire department needs to change their culture. We need to remove barriers for the women and other unrepresented people in the field. Sensitivity training would be at the max. All little girls should be able to grow up and do whatever they want. Some of my best firefighters that I know are are women. I talked to the chief of Golden. She's rated the sixth highest ranked female in the nation. She built LA cities. We need as Denver Fire to improve our culture, we need to look at the way we hire people through career serv or civil service, and by all aspects, we're running higher than anybody else. We're at a five percent on females in our fire service in Denver.
0: That brings us to the last round of our one-on-one questions for Council District One. Oh, you need to, you need to ask um, correct Amanda a question now. Sorry, I skipped right by you.
2: Okay got me all confused. I know, I'm sorry. I thought I was, <laughs> was running for the, the circuit uh, type thing here. <clears throat> Over the past four years, while you were in Councilman Espinosa's office, you have said you were responsible for a, a significant number of rezonings in district one. During that same time, we have seen irresponsible out of control growth that has displaced many of our longtime families and businesses. What would be different if you were elected?
1: Well, thank you. So once again, development is on the forefront of everyone's mind tonight. I am not responsible for rezonings. Land owners have entitlement when they buy land. And if they have planned docu- if they have the entitlement to up zone, they can go to the community planning and development department, pay $1,000 and submit a rezoning application. What I have said I have done is I have negotiated 19 out of 24 rezonings in Northwest Denver. So we are not pitting neighbors against neighbors. So we are having win-win solutions. And when elected, I will continue to do that. I will continue to make sure residents are at the negotiating table. I will continue to hold developers accountable. I personally almost got sued from a development on 44th and Tennyson because I was holding the developer accountable. And I will go to bat from the constituency of Northwest Denver, the same
0: I did as a council aide. That brings us to the last round of our one-on-one questions for Council District 1. Amanda, if you have a question for Mike. I thought you said this was that was the last round already. It was the neck. It was the next <laughs> to last
1: round. <laughs> okay. So, in the um, historic preservation ordinance in Denver, there is the part of the ordinance where you can have three community members who can sign on and bring what's called a hostile designation against the property owner. Council District 1 had two of them. If elected, how would you negotiate to make sure that you are not having neighbors pitted against neighbors, even though it's your constituents who want this designation and it may not be the landowner who does?
2: Well, number one, when you purchase your land, that property is yours. If you have somebody that's trying to fight as Rafael Espinosa did on hostile uh, development, I think you have to become the mediator in that situation, and you have to talk and be placed between the city and that landowner to work out the final details and it fits to what fits best for that building.
0: All right, uh, Michael, you have one more question for Amanda.
2: So on that same subject, Amanda, Amanda, over the past four years, while you were working for Councilman Espinosa, your office several times pursued what was called the hostile historical designation in which the owner of the property doesn't want to be, have his property designated, but it was being pushed on them anyway. At what point do you think it's okay for you to restrict a resident's property rights?
1: Well, thank you, Mike. So. I worked for Councilman Espinosa for three and a half years, not four. He did a hostile designation when he was Councilman-elect. I was not working for him at that time. He hadn't even been sworn into office. So first off, let's get our facts straight. Second of all, the second one, I agree. I don't agree with what he did. And I was quoted in the Denver Post saying, I did not agree with what my boss did. And that is a stance I will still take. But when you have three community members, bringing a hostile designation forward like they did at the Lambert House on 29th and Zenobia, you need to get in the middle. And currently right now, Denver is undertaking an update to the historic preservation ordinance, and I have attended those meetings so that I'm well-informed The day one, when elected, I will make sure to ha- add mediation part of that ordinance. I've written letters to make sure that happens, and I've attended meetings to make that sure that happens because that was one thing I did not agree with what Councilman Espinosa
0: did for that house. Time is up. Now it is time for closing statements. Each candidate will have one minute and we're gonna reverse the order of the opening statements which means we will begin with Mike Soma.
2: Thank you, thank you for uh, Channel 8 hosting this night. Uh, Dedication, dedicating my life to public service was not an accident, it was a choice. I didn't do it for the glamor, which is good because there wasn't any glamor. I did it because I believe in I believe in giving back to the city and the neighborhood that gave me everything. And that same reason is why I'm running for this office. Of the candidates from the first round of this race who chose to make endorsements for the runoff, all of them endorsed me. They endorse me because I build relationships and they know that I will listen and work together and I'm honored to have their confidence. I believe that this job is about relationships and community. I believe that a councilman who is not in the community cannot advocate for the community. I believe that a councilman who does not listen for the community will not hear. If I'm elected, my doors will always be open. As I stated, I will reopen the district office. Not only do I have the experience for this job, I have the work ethic and the can-do attitude that required for real leadership. I'm Mike Soma. Please vote on Tuesday, June 4th, and I hope to earn your vote. Thank you for being here tonight.
0: And now a closing statement from Amanda Sandoval. Well, thank you. First, I would like to begin
1: by thanking our sponsors. I'd like to thank the League of Women Voters, Historic Denver, INC, and the moderator for moderating this evening, and for those of you who have joined us. Together, we have heard various issues facing us, and you have a glimpse at some of the solutions I will bring (laughs) once elected. You also heard how important it is to me to preserve the culture and the history of Northwest Denver where I was born and raised and have the honor of living and raising our two children. I also heard that I wanna have, there is growth. There is rapid growth happening in Denver and that growth has to have a conscience. That conscience needs to include affordable housing, needs to include parks and recreation, needs to include transportation that helps us move around more effectively and improves our quality of life. I will bring collaboration, collaborating with those who feel disenfranchised. I will bring a voice to the voiceless. I will bring a sense of balance, true inclusion to our community, because I understand our community feels deprived from the decision-making process, and I will restore power to the people so together we can make District 1 better for the next seven generations.
0: Thank you. That wraps our runoff forum for City Council District 1. Let's thank our candidates, Michael Soma and Amanda Sandoval for their participation. thanks also to the Denver Decides partners, which include Interneighborhood Cooperation, the League of Women Voters in Denver, and Historic Denver. Denver Decides is presented by Denver 8 TV. Also, we want to extend our thanks to the staff and management of the Denver Art Museum and Christy Bussiner, the Director of Communications and Public Affairs, for providing this location for the runoff forums. We hope we've given you a fair look at each candidate vying to represent District One of Denver City Council. Be sure you have voted and returned your ballot by 7 p.m. on Tuesday, June 4th. And for complete election information, you can go online to denverdecides.org. I'm Wendy Brockman. Thanks for watching. Thank you. Thank you.